0: And now for our feature presentation, Afterthought Theatre Company presents the Pocketbook Monologues.
1: There are common characteristics among women who fall in love with people in prison. It's not just random. There are common characteristics among them. Now, first off, These women are damaged, and when I say damaged, I mean mentally, emotionally, physically. Also, they tend to approach these situations as though the love is fantasy. It's fantasy based. They're able to do that because you haven't had to pick up his dirty socks. You haven't had to wash his dirty underwear. You haven't had to be there when he won't get a job and sits mm-hmm. on the couch mm-hmm. and you're the only one working. It's all fantasy. There is this aspect that you have to admit is a Cinderella aspect of this love. You, in fact, you said he saved my life. You said you were broken hearted, and even from prison, he saved you. But you rationalize the things that he's done. It's like, well, he was young. Well, he didn't mean to. Well, they were just playing catch with the cat. You know, she was saying bad things about him, and uh, and every one of those things is characteristic of you. I I rationalize it so that I can... I I have to rationalize it in order to continue pursuing it, because if I really stop and think about it, I might change my mind.
2: (laughs) Every week in this country, Thousands of women prepare to get with men they love. They get dressed up in their finest clothes, get their hair and nails done. They are getting ready to spend time with the loves of their life. They take long bus or car trips to spend just a few hours with these men they cherish. These women all have something in common. The men they love are serving time in penal institutions. Many women can't understand this type of love Many wonder, how could you fall in love and even marry a man that has never opened your pocketbook, girl, and never will? It happens more than you know.
0: I met my husband of seven years through a friend that was visiting her cousin who was serving a life sentence in prison. In the visiting room, I noticed a very handsome man giving me eye attention. He had a perfect smile. The day we were introduced, I felt an immediate connection with him. Later that week, I received my first of many letters from Ray. I didn't write him back, but every week the letters kept coming. He had a way with words, and his words really moved me. Now don't get me wrong, I've been in love many times. I was married and divorced. I have three grown children. I have a great job with mentally handicapped children. I have a life. When he wrote me and asked me to come visit him, I decided I would. I drove for four hours to see him. I knew by the second visit that I was falling in love with him. Ray is kind and smart and a wonderful man to talk to. I didn't tell any of my friends or family because I knew they wouldn't understand. The letters, the phone calls, the visits were becoming a regular part of my life. Two years had gone by, and one Saturday in May, as I was leaving the visiting area, he asked me to marry him. I was so excited on the long ride home, now I knew I had to tell someone this was just too much to keep to myself. I called my best friend and told her all about my new relationship. She could not believe it. And called me a fool for even considering marrying a man that would never get out of prison. A man convicted of rape and murder. I know that he did not commit those crimes. And I told her so. That's when the fireworks started. My so-called best friend told my mother. And my mother told everybody in my family, including my children. I was angry and I grew tired of explaining my relationship with Ray. I told him about my family and he said if marrying him meant losing my family, then I shouldn't do it. I was in love, and this man had touched my soul in a way the men that have touched my body never could. Our love is deeper than physical things. That's what most people don't understand. The prison had rules that allowed us to get married, but we could never be on a honeymoon. The prison where Ray lived doesn't allow conjugal visits. I wore a simple right dress, and when I walked into the chapel and saw Ray standing there, I knew I was doing the right thing. On my wedding day, he kissed me.
2: Dr. Jocelyn Elders, the former U.S. Surgeon General that lost her job when she had the audacity to say that children should be taught masturbation in school? (laughs) Many women told me they have never even seen their pocketbooks or touched themselves for pleasure. On the other hand, there are many women that own sex toys, indulge in phone sex, and triple X movies. Many women understand that knowing how to please yourself goes a long way when you invite someone to please you. I met a God-fearing woman in her 60s that found self-pleasure. I lost my husband
3: over 10 years ago. I miss him every single day. All my friends tell me that enough time has passed and I should get rid of his clothes. I tell them, no way. I find comfort in the smell that lingers on his clothes, especially the cologne on his suits. Every Saturday night, we would have a play night. We would open a bottle of wine, listen to my favorite singers on the stereo, Billy Eckstein, Nat King Cole, Lou Ross, and my favorite, Sam Cooke. Change to come. Woo! Mm. My husband would wear my feet and I would rub his back. And we would hold each other until we knew the time was right. I will admit, our love making didn't last very long, but it was lovely. And he would always hold me tight until I went to sleep. I never thought I would feel that kind of pleasure again. But I do now. <laughs> just before my granddaughter got married, some of her girlfriends threw her a party. I never had so much fun, and the gifts she received—it was just too, just too much, too much. I stayed after all the guests were gone, and we laughed at the presents: panties without a crotch, somebody gave us some handcuffs and a whip. Another gift looked like a feather duster. Things have really changed since I got married. We just didn't need all them gadgets. She also received vibrators. One was so big it looked deformed. Another one was so small, about four inches long, and it was called the silver bullet. Now until that night, the only silver bullet I had ever heard of was the one that the Lone Ranger carried with him. It was so small, I asked, what's she supposed to do with it? She just laughed. (laughs) I was in church the next morning, and that is when I saw the shiny thing in my purse. I could not wait to get home to throw that thing away. But for some strange reason, I didn't. I put it in the bottom drawer of my nightstand. Nearly a month had gone by before I saw the silver bullet again. It was another lonely night. Lonely Saturday night. And I was really missing my husband. I opened a bottle of wine and put on some music. I got out an old picture album and walked down memory lane. I thought I was going crazy. After my second glass of wine, I made it to my bed. I reached into my nightstand drawer and got the silver bullet. I turned on the switch and it made a humming sound. I laid back on the bed, put the silver bullet on the top of my pocketbook. Lord have mercy. Mm. Ooh, Lord have mercy on my soul. I closed my eyes and thought about my husband. Every Saturday night, it's me, the memories of my husband, a bit of wine, and my new best friend.
2: The decrease in estrogen associated with menopause causes many medical conditions. The genital tract, namely the vagina and the urinary tract, change. The tissues may become thin, they may be bleed easily, and they may tear easily. For this reason, the vagina also becomes very dry and sexual relations becomes very painful. Women will also notice an increase in infections with menopause. That is because the tissues of both the vagina and the urinary tract change so that bacteria can more easily invade these areas. Also, women report a decrease in libido, a decrease in sexual arousal, and satisfaction has been reported. And this is totally normal. There is nothing wrong with you if you feel a decrease in your sexual drive. The change of life can be crippling. For most women, hot flashes, estrogen medications, and being downright miserable for months and even years. A lot of women told me, The change in their pocketbook is one step closer to the other side of life. I am 37
0: years old and I've always prided myself on being accessible. When it comes to making love, my pocketbook used to be inviting to my paramours with the warmth and moisture that made love making a joy. My pocketbook was like an ocean of orgasms. A waterfall of excitement, a flood of grace, a monsoon of love, a thunderstorm on a sunny day. (laughs) I have fond memories of a man calling my name and describing just how juicy I was when we shared an orgasm. Yes, I'm going through the change of life and I don't like it one damn bit. Now instead of feeling like an ocean, I feel like a barren desert. I noticed a change when I was making love about a year ago. Even after my man applied all his oral techniques to get me in the mood, my pocketbook was dry as the sand in the desert. At first, I thought it was just... Well, well maybe I just wasn't in the mood. That would be a change for me because I'm always in the mood for some good loving. Now everything I read in books and magazines says I'm supposed to be reaching my sexual peak, but the hinges of my pocketbook needed some lubrication that I can't do by myself. I purchased lubricants and even used oils to loosen the clasp of my pocketbook, but none of this stuff is working for me. After a trip to the doctor, the diagnosis was revealed. The change of life was in my life. I haven't been the same since. No high flashes, no mood swings, no loss of memory, nothing for me but a dry ass pocketbook, and that ain't cool. And that's it for our show tonight. Thank you for tuning in. For sponsorship, advertising, news, and updates, log on to afterthoughttc.com. We'll see you next week.